Hi, my name's Shami O'Hara and you're listening to the NL Full-Time Podcast. Welcome to this week's NL Full-Time. Hope you're all staying well. We're, we're live again from our our homes, all, uh, all Zooming this week so we can all see each other. I'm Luke Edwards and joining me is Chris Pratt. Hello, Chris. Yeah, hi, Luke. And we've also got Tom Lang, who, who we can see has got the NL Full-Time logo behind him. That's how dedicated he is to this podcast. How are you, Tom? You okay? Yeah, good, thanks. How are you? I'm very well, thanks. And uh, yeah, I'm sat here with my uh, my OGC niche shirt on, which everyone's been asking me about. The away kit from 2015. And uh, we've also got Dickie, who's uh, helpfully got his polo shirt with his initials on the back behind him as well. I have indeed, yes. Yeah, it's a good job he hasn't got Katie's and got beyond there. That would have been uh, uh, intriguing. But uh, yeah, nice to see you again. And uh, our special guest this week, it is... Um, He's scouted at Telford, Wrexham, Leamington, amongst others. He's currently uh, scouting at Shrewsbury Town Football Club. It is Luke Fogarty. Hello, Luke. Hi, lads. How are we doing? Very, very well, thank you. If you do hear a load of noise outside, it is very, very windy uh, just outside the room I'm in. So uh, if you hear all that blowing about, that is why. Yeah, so before we talk to uh, to Luke Fogarty, just a bit of news this week, kind of the, the National League of... They brought out who who'd voted where, and I know Dickie, you mentioned about us some uh, white smoke coming from uh, National League towers. We're waiting for Pope Barwick. He didn't quite appear, did he? But um, it, it was interesting to see how the clubs all voted. Most of them voted for the majority for the season to end, and they're almost waiting on what the EFL and the Premier League do, aren't they? The EFL are waiting for the Premier League, and it's kind of got that domino effect now, hasn't it? Uh, well, yeah, obviously with the EFL stuff, the uh, the Athletic broke the exclusive this week that. The Championship are going to wait to see what the Premier League does. They're, they're going to try and play out the season. But EFL 1 and 2, they're done. Um, they will not finish the season. And now it's down to voting for the clubs. I think it takes place this week coming on how they decide promotion and relegation, if it even happens. Um, you know, Certainly the article gave the impression that the favoured model at the moment looks like a P- PPG, points per game basis, Weighted on away goals, or sorry, on away games and home games, um, and I know Dicky, obviously you've you've modelled what that would look like for the National League if they decided to go down the same route. Uh, yeah, I did. Yeah, a few weeks ago, I had a, a look at um, just the simple PPG model, but did also have a look at, at, at the home and away stuff because it, it you know it does it does have a um, potentially have a, an impact. I think ultimately. It ended up with um, the, the top two and the bottom four in the National League remained exactly the same. I think Barnett came into the playoff places if there was going to be such a thing as playoffs um, based on how many games they got left to play. And then I think in the in the north and the south, again, I think the top two, although I think they were in a slightly different order in the north, I think Kingsland would have, would have been first and York second. Um, but ultimately it didn't change an awful lot. So, um, yeah, I suppose we're perhaps sufficiently far down the road with the season now that, that, you know, it is really hard to discount everything that's gone before, isn't it? And, you know, and if you take that into account, then it, it doesn't look as if it would change very much using a mathematical model. But of course, nobody likes mathematical models. Everybody likes a game to be settled on the pitch, don't they? To be honest with you, I think I prefer all sports to be settled on Excel, Excel spreadsheets. I do love an Excel spreadsheet. <laughs> <laughs> Dick, you'd be a millionaire if that was the case, wouldn't it? <laughs> Uh, my life's work, I see. My moment has arrived. No, no, I'm quite keen on a spreadsheet, I, I, I have to say. So, but um, no, as, as much as they can tell you a lot, you know, it, it, we all like to see things unfold, you know, on the pitch in front of us because, you know, that's where the real drama comes from. That's where the, 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 the human element of it comes from and that's what we all like. The one interesting one in the South, Tom, was I saw that Darkin on, on Dickie's PPG, Darkin dropped out and Hampton Richmond Borough went in to the playoffs. They swapped places. Yeah, and I think that's that's testament to um, a really good sort of last two or three months that Hampton and Richmond Borough have been having. Um, they'll certainly be quite disappointed to have had the season curtailed as it is. Um, but yeah, Dorking dropping out, I think, at the end of the day, it doesn't undo what an incredible first season ever they've had at this level. Um, when you think, what was it like 12 years ago, they were playing county leagues. Um, remarkable ascension up the league for them. Under Mark White. The other news out of the, the National League, which broke at the beginning of the the weekend was was Solihull. They've released fourteen players, which is which is a, a hefty amount of players, really, and some some big names on that list as well, wasn't there? 
Yeah, the, it, it's it's a it's a lengthy um, uh, list of, of players who are leaving um, uh, Solihull. Uh, perhaps not surprising, maybe with the with the change of management they had towards the end of the season. Jimmy Shan uh, came in from Kidderminster Harriers, and he's brought Richard Beale as his assistant. Um, and it, it perhaps signals maybe uh, something of a change of approach as well. I mean, I know the uh, the chairman said they, you know, they're very sorry to see a lot of the players go. But yeah, I mean, some of the players when you think about who's gone, uh, Nathan Blissett, um, Terry Hawkridge, Luke Maxwell. Jamie Record, which I think is a, a defender, his release I think surprised quite a lot of Moore's fans. Uh, Matt Stenson, who obviously was on loan at Telford for quite a big chunk of the season. Lee Vaughan, a lot of experience um, at, at National League and National League North level, and, and Danny Wright as well. So yeah, um, it was I think it was on the actually on the day that um, uh, Solly always used to play Harrogate, and it was a game that was called off because of fears over. Uh, COVID-19 was actually the day they announced the Adam Rooney signing so you'd think there's probably an element of of, of clearing the decks a little bit there to make way for um, Adam Rooney's uh, not inconsiderable salary at this level I would imagine. What I'd also say about that Dick, is that um, Stollyhall perhaps more than anyone else in the league bought players to play in a system in a very very particular system and um, Every player had his had his part in that system. I mean, it, it, we were talking about long ball um, before, it's, but it was calculated long ball, and it and it was very effective. So, perhaps as you say, it does signify a change in um, approach. Does, does it surprise you guys at all to see clubs like Solihull and and the ones in the National League South that we talked about making uh, you know firm statements on what their playing squad's going to look like next season already? when we have no idea when or if next season is going to start. Yeah, I think that's a really good point, Tom. And I think that it is... I, personally, I think it's clearly affected by the situation that we're in at the moment. Um, and I think they're probably looking at wage bills. And I think they're already looking at thinking, look, we've got to make sure that we're still around and we're still going to be competitive when we get there. And if that means um, taking out some um, higher or moderate, medium or or higher earners, and then we need to regroup when we know what the hell's going on, I think that's possibly um, what's going on at the minute. Yeah, and and, I mean, that's Solihull certainly on the heavy club. I know, um, obviously, with an eye on the Midlands, um, that Russ Penn hadn't wasted any time in, um, there'd been some players released from Kidderminster Harry this week and they've also brought in um, one of their former players Richard Forsyth as a director of football so there's clearly still um, you know moves going on behind the scenes there at Kidderminster they're they're looking ahead as much as they can Um, and in in just another National League club uh, making moves for next season and and maybe even a couple of seasons beyond that as well but I know Bradford Park Avenue have given new three-year contracts to Mark Bauer and Nicky Boschel as their management team for the foreseeable future. So wherever Bradford Park Avenue should end up, and, and it doesn't sound like it's going to be relegation because there, there being no promotion from the league um, below, then, um, yeah, Mark Bauer's going to be in charge. Chelmsford, they let a few players go this week, much to the surprise of their, their fans. Um, yeah, so uh, Billy Knott and Talfi Kamalway they were both sort of released. Bit of a surprise, those two especially, wasn't it? I think so, yeah. I mean, uh, Olamawewe came in, uh, what, January, February time. It caused a bit of a stir on Twitter because Ian Hungerford, uh, Ian Herring, uh, Ian Hungerford, Ian Herring at Hungerford had just named him captain. Um, and then he, he obviously took the step to move, said he was going to go to the National League and then wound up at Chelmsford. So, um, don't know what happened there. But at the end of the day, Chelmsford have really underwhelmed this season. This is a club who you expect to be getting to the playoffs and losing in the playoffs every season. Um, and they didn't even threaten it this year. So, yeah, I know some supporters are disappointed with some of the players that have left. Um, you know, they still they've kept a lot of their very of their, of their most popular players. Uh, the likes of Tom Rake's still going to be there next season. Uh, Johnny Giles has left. That's a that, that's in my opinion a bit of a loss for them. But they need to change something. Um, what what they were doing this season has not worked. Um, Sam Higgins is gone. Leroy Leet has gone. So yeah, that. I think they just want to try a fresh slate next season. And and talking of Hungerford, we, we spoke to, we had Ian Herring on last week's programme explaining why he left there. They didn't take long to bring in his successor. Danny Robinson has come in. Uh, he's only 34. He's been managing since he was 21. Uh, he got Thatcham to the, to the FA Vars final and then they won it. 
Um, so another up-and-coming young manager there, and I know the chairman, Patrick Chambers, has said that um, he's not phased by the low budget there either. Yeah, I mean, so that, that is, as you say, rightly, that's the other big news out of the National League South uh, this week, really. Danny Robinson is a, you know, he's a well-respected manager in the non-league circles in the South. Um, that Thatcham Town FA, uh, FA Vars tri- triumph was... It was like a, a wonderful day out. I remember watching that against Stockton and I don't think many people really expected them to take the title. Um, that was, you know, the North had been sort of dominating the FA Vars for a few years at that point. Um, and it was a great performance. Don't be surprised if he sh- signs um, Shane Cooper-Clark to play up front. Um, he sort of hung his hat on him for the last few years with Thatcham. Um, but also Thatcham are having a great season this this time around there. Uh, just looking at the table, nine points clear joint with Froome Town at the top but played fewer matches um, so yeah I think a, a step up for him it definitely is Hungerford will be a baptism of fire at the National League South level but um, yeah let's see what he can do So Luca thanks for, thanks for joining us you've, you've done your stripes in non-league haven't you scouting wise and now you're at, at Shrewsbury scouting there just tell us a bit more about your past really Well uh, I played sort of combined services football uh, when I was in the army and that sort of stuff and uh, when I came out of the army, I wanted to have a go at management, really. So I had a little low going like the Midland combination sort of level. I, I, I couldn't put up with the uh, the ins and outs of the players, like not turning up at two o'clock on a Saturday, you know, at that level. <laughs> Having played at a half-decent level myself. And um, so I decided to go down the scouting route, which is what my dad had been doing. So I started off at Leamington. I asked Paul Holleran for a job and he said, yeah, fine, off you go. Uh, and it's ten, it's 10 quid a week and uh, can you go to Weymouth on Saturday? So, <laughs> uh, that's how that's how I got started, really. And Paul Holleran's still at Leamington, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, still still speak to him about three times a week. Yeah, great lad, really good lad. Done really well. Produced some great forwards there, and yeah, really he's a really you know he finds diamonds every every year. I don't know how he does it really. But um, once he's back to Leamington, he'll be coming over to me. Hopefully, <laughs> <laughs> I've been at Leamington for a couple of years. We won the Southern League, uh, got promoted to the National League North. Had a couple of seasons there doing that. And then uh, my wife's job moved up to Hull. And uh, Paul got me a job with Billy Billy Heath at uh, North Ferriby. Um, I've been there six months. We won the FA Trophy against Wrexham at Wembley. So that was quite an introduction. The following year, we won promotion again from the National North into the National League. That summer, um, Billy got the Halifax job. So he took me with him there. And we got promotion there again from the National North into the National League at Halifax. And then uh, I got a phone call out of the blue from Rob Edwards, who'd just been appointed at Telford, and asked me if I'd fancy coming down and working for him. It was sort of backed by the Wolves. The Wolverhampton Wanderers had put some um, infrastructure and a bit of finance into place, and they needed somebody from who knew non-league because the staff were just lads out of the academy, you know, like Rob and his staff, basically, in the 23s. I, I, it was a bit of a real good opportunity. Billy was, was a few problems with the chairman at Halifax. I thought, well, I'll, it, I'll go. So that's what I did. So we had a good year there. Very difficult. Really good. That's where I got to know Rich, obviously. Difficult circumstances because we were expected to take players from Wolves that weren't perhaps up to it, under 23 players. I think they slightly underestimated the level, really, that we were at. Um, but we got a few in and did quite well there. And then, then from there, I got to know Sam Ricketts, who was working at Wolves at the time. He got the Wrexham job. In the summer, he'd come and ask me if I fancy going. The Wolves thing finished at Telford. He said, do you fancy coming to Wrexham? So I went to Wrexham. We've been there five months and he got offered the Shrewsbury job. So he took me to Shrewsbury. So I've been there 18 months now. So, uh, yeah, bit of a roller coaster, but very lucky and the right place at the right time, I think. It's really interesting. A couple of follow-up questions to that. Obviously, you... Um... You've, you've worked with some really established and uh, mm. managers in, in non-league and, and you've had success as well with those managers wherever you've gone. So that says a lot about you as well as the manager, I presume, because I read a really interesting article in the non-league paper, I saw it Concord Rangers scout, and the main thing I took out of that is trust, isn't it, between the manager and the scout? Yeah, tr- trust and, and trust your judgment is the other thing. Been very lucky with all, with from Paul Loller and all the way through, including the other lads, Billy, Rob, all been very inclusive. So really, like, as soon as your report lands on the desk or on the phone asking you about it and really backs you up with your player judgment, and that's uh, that's all you can ask, really. Yeah, what I wanted to ask you was, how has scouting changed since from when you started 
to, yeah. to now um, because, oh. and I mean, particularly in terms of, um, I mean, I've always wondered, players must know you sat there in the stand um, when they're playing and how they feel about that. And do you have a word? Are you allowed to have a word with them or how does that all work? Um, not non-league, particularly the, uh, the feelers are usually put out, you know, we'll usually the manager or the, will make contact with the agent normally, or if they've got agent or if not themselves and just see if there'd be any sort of interest. And, um, and then I'd follow that up by watching them, yeah. But we'd have an idea, really, if we liked to. Usually from just being at the game, from, a lot of it came from opposition work. So you'd be watching the opposition and they'd be playing Alfreton and you'd say, you know, I really like I really like you know, the right back at Alfreton. We're struggling at right back. What about him, you know? And that's how the conversation would go. And then I'd probably go and watch them specifically after that. And obviously, um, are the managers casting a little eye in the dugout and recognise that you're there? Who's he looking at today? <laughs> Well, yeah, well, being in the National North for so long, I did get to know all the managers, obviously, and uh, and just going to games as well. When we were involved, you know, I'd go to games with Billy, go to games with Paul, and we'd go in the directors and, you know, have a chat and whatever. It was, it was just good, you know. It was a nice community to be in, you know. with some good clubs and some good managers and some nice people. So that, that, to answer your question about the change, since I've gone into Wrexham and certainly now at Shrewsbury, it's a bit of a different animal now. A lot of research done on sort of Y Scout, which is a, like a video portal platform. So we'll have 10 targets. We'll watch all 10 of them on Y Scout and then we we'll sort of whittle it down to two or three, which we'll then go and watch live. So that's how it works at all pro clubs mostly. A lot of analysis going on first before you actually go out live scouting. Whereas at non league, you haven't got that resource, so you've got to go out and have a look yourself, really. Yeah. So obviously, you've, um, you've been at a few different clubs, you know, as we've heard, with a few different managers. Um, there's there's one school of thought which is a good player is a good player full stop but then the other is actually you have to scout for the club you're working for um, how much of what you look for when you're looking for a player is actually well I know how this manager plays I know how he likes his right back to get up and down the touchline or he prefers his defenders to defend first yeah. how much is that impacting on your thought process when you're watching a game well yeah Paul and Billy were pretty similar you've probably seen their teams play you know, Tom Denton, probably a big key to it, playing centre-forward, six-foot-five, centre-forward now at Chesterfield. Everybody had to be tough. Everybody had to be up for it. Good lad. Didn't have to be the best players in the world, as long as they were good characters, really. And um, he sort of fostered that. So, that, yeah, so scouting for them was pretty one-dimensional, really. When I got to Salford, Rob, wanted, Rob, Rob Edwards, having been at the Wolves for a long time and... and being used to more technical players. He wanted slightly different. He wanted people who could play as well. But we had to sort of push him into having a bit of ed- a few more edgy players <laughs> just because we were getting rolled over, really. We were trying to play a bit too much football, you know, in the wrong areas and things like that. So, And then it's changed almost again now. Wrexham, we were we inherited quite a good squad. We brought a few in and um, we, we had a mixture, really. We could either mix it up or we could play. But... Um, Certainly at Shrewsbury now, the gaffer wants young, exciting players, you know, and pace and uh, technical, very technical. Yeah. So to answer your question, you've got to you've got to sort of set your criteria for the manager that you're doing the job for at the time, I think. You know. I was brought up with Wimbledon and Harry Bassett and all that, you know, and my dad and and um all through the years coming up through the leagues and then Sheffield United, you know, so I was used to that sort of Billy Heath, Paul Olleran sort of, you know, thing. So it's been a bit different for me to be a bit more technical, looking for more skillful players. I always, I always find that I'm erring on the side when I'm assessing one. Uh, is he a bit milky? You know, I think. And then I, always, you know, it's my first thing is, is he got the, has he got the uh, physical attributes for the game, or rather than the technical side? So I'm trying to teach myself again at 50 how to uh, reset my brain into looking at things a little bit different. When my dad got older, he's been dead four years, but he was a great influence on me with all this. And um, I used to say to him. Uh, you know, the long ball stuff, you know, people have been in my ear about this, that and everything else, about long ball, this, long ball, that. And he'd say, go and watch Man United. He said, uh, you watch them wanging it into uh, into the centre forward. He said, it's a good pass if it's a proper pass, you know. And he said, it's not a uh, long ball football, it's winning football. And it, and it was, you know, for them, you know. I think they probably took it to the extreme sometime. But uh, don't forget, like, Wimbledon were beating Liverpool at Anfield and things like that, you know, and... Uh, and Sheffield United had some pretty good success as well with the same sort of players. So, uh, Brian Dean weren't a bad player, went to Leeds and, uh, you know, 
Tony Agana. They were pretty good. They weren't. They weren't like John Fashionu. Them two. One of the questions, just going back to um, one that Chris asked you earlier about being recognised by opposition teams and managers. Mm. Um, there's a classic story from when Francis Kagagal was scouting for Arsenal, where he used to wear disguises and have to climb over walls when he was going to watch Danielson, the young Brazilian player. Have you ever had any uh, sort of escapades like that in your scouting days? Oh, I've been in, I've been in disguise with managers and stood behind the goal. Yeah, I've been been to like Ailes Owen and place like that, watching you know where there's not so much crowd and uh, watching uh, the latest starlet, you know, with the uh, hoods hoods up and uh, snoods on, uh, false glasses, you know, and, and trying not to laugh, you know. It's, uh, yeah, there's been a bit of that going. I've never climbed over any walls yet. My old man used to tell me a story about Cluffy and um, Peter Taylor used to go and do the same. They used to just pay to go in and stand on the stand on the stand behind the goal and watch somebody if they didn't want anybody to know they were watching them. So yeah, I'll do that. It's very very rare that I do it nowadays, but I have done it in the past and I will. I've done it last season. I did it once, but it'll remain nameless where I was. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't Telford. <laughs> Telford, they all shout at me, go away. We don't want you to sign any more there. From here, so. <laughs> we'll get on to that shortly. Um, I just wanted to ask you, though, about obviously going back, you keep in contact with Paul Holleran and, and Billy Heath. I mean, because you're at Shrewsby, can they ring you up and say, who do you think would be good for us? But because it's only maybe National League North, you can maybe say, well, yeah, go after him, and you're not kind of compromising your position at Shrewsbury. No, it's more it's more linked than you think, really, because it's quite a good proving ground, and national, certainly national, you know, the National League and National North and South, it's pretty good. Pretty good. We have a lot of players on loan there, so that, that's always helpful. They can help us out with young players going into them, um, and we know they'll be looked after, and we know their characters. You know the characters of the manager, and um, yeah, I keep an eye on it. So if there's no games in our league, I don't do all the opposition scouting for us. You see, we have a, a team of a few lads around the country, so I'm. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm usually at at least one non-league game a week. I'd say. I suppose like when. Should be looking to send out players on loan to a National League club or a National League North South club, maybe even lower. That they come to you because you've been at that level and say, "Well, we want to send him out to toughen him up." Or who do you think we should send out to toughen him up? Is it things like that, really? Yeah. Well, we sent we sent all the kids out. All the eighteen-year-olds went out. About eight of them went out to all local clubs this year, like Market Drayton and um, Shifnal and all the clubs around Shrewsbury. And that, I, I thought it was a really good idea when we talked it over with the academy manager. And he said, just you know, just to get him into men's football, just and, and we'll see who's got it and who hasn't, you know. And um, so yeah, that link helps a lot. And uh, once the better ones can can very definitely play in the national league or you know the northern prem or the southern prem or whatever, whichever league they want to play in, really. This is a message from the government and the NHS about how to protect yourself and others from coronavirus. Wash your hands more often than usual, for twenty seconds each time. Use soap and water or a hand sanitizer. When you get home or arrive at work, when you blow your nose, sneeze or cough, and when you eat or handle food. For more information, go to nhs.uk forward slash coronavirus. Protect yourself and others. Obviously, you mentioned about uh, Telford there. Dickie's uh, not quite got over Daniel Udo leaving yet. I mean, he's he's made the step up. (laughs) When you go to Telford, though, and, and you look at all that squad, what makes you go... He'll, he'll, he'll do well for us. He'll do well in League One. What, what's that kind of difference that you spot? Yeah. Um, so, Dan was at Levington first on loan from Crewe. Uh, and then at the end of the season, uh, he was released from Crewe and, and Telford took him. And that was the... I was at Wrexham. So, I've been watching him a little bit for Wrexham thinking, I wonder if he could go up again because he's scoring goals. You know, I wonder if he'd come in the National League and score. Um, when we got to Shrewsbury... Obviously, we had to have a bit of a reshuffle, and it wasn't the times we bring in sort of gamble, you know, non-league gambles, and we had to sort of go a bit higher up and bring in players that were proven really at the League One. But in the summer, we sat down, and the chairman always likes a likes a non-league player, you know, who thinks he might do well. And uh, what what really for it for me was Dan's weight of goals in the league because he was ten miles down the road, scored was it thirty goals, Rich? I think it was. Uh, 26. 26 goals in all competitions. Semi-final of the trophy, you know, against Leighton Orient. If we didn't take him, you know, somebody would have been asking questions of me, really. Why? Or at least the gaffer, you know, why 
why we haven't taken him from 10 miles down the road. And to be fair to Dan, you couldn't meet, one, you couldn't meet a nicer kid, and I already knew that. And two, you couldn't meet a kid who wanted to succeed more than him. And, you know, funny story about him, when we got him through the door, he, um, he like, got injured pre-season because he'd been going to Lillishall in the evenings doing extra sprints, you know, as well as training all day with us. So, uh, he won't mind me telling that. But we've had to calm him down a bit. But, yeah, since he's got his chance, it's been absolutely brilliant. And that's a great story because he's a re- his second time round for him, been released, come, come full circle through non-league again. Back in League One and, and becoming a hot property, really. So I think he scored five this year. He's not really started a lot, but when he has got a start, he sees his chance, you know. So, well, got a couple of questions if I can, Luke. So, firstly, you've obviously you've been around the scene in non-league and and the professional game for a little while now. Does it ever surprise you when you see certain players make the step up, get selected by some squads, and you think, you know, maybe I hadn't expected that? I'm thinking maybe the likes of a Cohen Bramall who got taken from Pentford Town right up to Arsenal. Um, you know, obviously didn't make the grade there, but he's now had a good season at Colchester. Are you ever surprised when you see these things? You know, I wonder what they saw in them, how they saw them. Um, they're looking at slightly different things to me. Um, I, can, I, know what, I know what they see in them. Um, with, with Shrewsbury and with Wrexham, we don't have a 23s team. And um, if you're recruiting non-league 20-year-olds, which Cohen was at the time, they're recruiting them to go into the 23s at Arsenal. So they're slightly looking at different things. I, I need to find players, if you like, like Udo, say, who can come in and play League One, you know, or be on the bench in League One, say, at the at, at minimum, really. And whether Cohen could have done that straight from Hensford out of the, you know, playing part-time, whether he could have done that straight away, I don't know. But he has done very well. I mean, I've watched him at Arsenal 23s, and he did really well. He's a great kid. Um, and he's done a really good season at Colchester. So, yeah. I agree with you. I don't. Re- they're looking at slightly different. They're looking at development, really, and I'm sort of looking at the fin- not finished product, but somebody who can go and make a difference to a League One team. That's that's at the moment. That's what I'm looking for. So, yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. And then, that that the, answer your question, that that bit. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And then the next one really is we've heard a lot about the obviously with coronavirus the impact this is going to have on clubs' finances. There's going to be less money to spend on players at every stage of the leagues. Do you think that clubs in Shrewsbury's position, um, League One, League Two clubs, we're going to see more transfers moving up from the non-league system? You know, they'll see it maybe as a, a less financially risky investment. I don't think anybody knows. You know, Tom, I don't. I think it's going to be a very open market. I don't even know if there's going to be a transfer window or whether it's just going to be left open. Um, there's all sorts of things flying around. Obviously, we're having Zoom meetings every, you know, every few days, and the. the, the it keeps the, the landscape's changing every day, you know, almost. This is happening, this is happening. We don't know. We're going back on the 16th of May. We're not. No, we're not. You know, we don't really know what's going to happen. But I think there's going to be a lot of value out there. So the, the two things I think are going to come out of it are non-league is going to, instead of 400 quid a week, you're going to be on 200, I think. So I don't think the non-league clubs will be able to afford it. So there's a lot of people going to be disappointed. And I think there's going to be a lot of value to be had coming from non-league into the league because I think clubs will be looking for bargains, like you say, with less money to spend. So rather than going and getting somebody out of league, out of championship on loan, they might well go, well, that's going to be, you know, two grand a week. We can probably get in for 300, you know, and I think that's what clubs will be doing. Who's, who's next itself of then that you're going to fold? No, no, it's... Fine. No, I mean it's. Uh, I know Luke. When um, on the day that Dan Udo signed for Shrewsbury, I just got a text from him which just said, "Sorry, pal," underneath it, and you know, absolutely understood the circumstances around it. You know, and and like Luke says, you know, if when he's only ten miles down the road and he's got the weight of goals he's got, you'd expect teams to be looking at him. You know, and if he hadn't got a move, you'd, you'd think, well, what what is it that they? you know everybody everybody at Telford you know seemingly you know thought that, that, that the lad was ready for a move but you know if if he hadn't got it you'd wonder what was wrong almost so um no it was just one of them things except that that's the way it is in football and players move on and um you know he he, he still comes back to Telford now and, and uh, always welcome all those qualities Luke spoke about there you know are, are all the things we enjoyed having him around for but on the other hand, you do see players that have scored like bucket loads of goals at non-league level and then gone to league level, and it's just not happened for them, has it? So you've got that side of it as well, haven't you? 
Uh, do you want me to chance that? Uh, whoever, whoever, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'll just point it out. I mean, there many I've seen that, but there are. Yeah. I, I can't think. There's a few, but I can't think of any off the top of my head name-wise. But you've seen it where they've jumped up to maybe League One level, not done well, and then they've dropped National League and back down again. I like to go. I'm, I'm at the training ground two or three times a week at Shrewsbury, and I used to be at Wrexham as well. And the training, the, the players, it's totally different. Honestly, it, I can see why the, the defenders are more athletic. They're tougher. They're, they know what they're doing. They're savvy. Some of a lot of them have played in the Prem or played in the Championship. It's really hard to score goals in League One if you're non-league and have no pedigree and not been. You know, it's really, really difficult. You can't. So, like if you were playing for I don't know, a Southern League team, you know, a lot of the times you, you get, you're relying on mistakes from defenders. A lot of the time, not all the time, but you know, I'd say half your goals will be from a defender making a mistake or the goalkeeper making a mistake. Well, that, that doesn't happen really. It does. It's you know, wins a season. Um, so yeah you've got to manufacture your goals it's a lot harder to score so that I don't know you know I think it is really difficult to make the jump but it's interesting isn't it? you see you see this at, at sort of all levels of football as well I think like Lewis Graben's a great example he's yeah. been consistently one of the most prolific goal scorers in the championship for the best part of a decade yeah. when he's had his chances when his teams have been promoted to the premiership they've just not seen that that little bit of spark that's something extra that will get them goals in the Premier League we had Steve Morrison with us at the start of the season, um, centre forward for Millwall. He's, he was a friend of our bosses on the, he's on his uh, pro license with with Sam, uh, so he came and signed for us on loan from Millwall. And I had ten minutes with him in the canter half an hour in the canteen with him one day, and I was asking him about centre halves at Premier League level, and he said they don't, they're not defenders as you would imagine them. He said they just, they don't hardly tackle. They just nick the ball off you, and they're that good and they're that athletic that they. It's like almost like if you watch Van Dyke and just watch him for ten minutes, you just think he's an absolute Rolls Royce. How are you supposed to score past him? You know. So I know they're not all of that level, but they're, they're not far off. You know, <laughs> it must be so frustrating to be a forward and you never get a touch of the ball. Almost, you know. Um, on the subject of defenders, because it's, it's something that non-league fans love. They love to see the non-league players going into the professional game and doing well. They love to see them getting those opportunities and every non-league fan of every club can tell you what players they've got that are now playing in the, in the EFL or the Premiership. But something that cropped up in a conversation we had with Callum Reynolds at Barnet the other week was that it does seem to be easier to make that, get noticed to make that step for, for attacking players. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we've used the example of Daniel Udo there. He was 10 miles down the road and scored that weight of goals. Yeah. It's very difficult to imagine the same conversation of he was 10 miles down the road and made that many tackles across a season or led a defence to that many clean sheets across a season. Mm. Do you think as a scout, like, is it more difficult to pick up on those talented defenders that are cutting around in non-league? Yes. Uh, do you have to go to more effort to find them? Yes. And it's a, it's a dodgy... It's a more, it's a more thorough... Um, it's a more thorough process and a more worrying process if you're a scout because... Uh, forwards, you can miss ten chances, and you know, um, all right, you miss ten chances, you score one. It doesn't matter. The defenders, if they if they make ten mistakes, you know, and we concede five goals, this is the problem. The consistency of performance. Same with goalkeepers. I mean, I don't do the scouting for the goalkeepers. Brian Jensen does it, and I'm glad because I wouldn't want to be recommending one, and then they throw three in in three games, you know. But defenders, I sort of judge on the same criteria where. Got, yeah, it's it's quite difficult for them to step up, and it's quite difficult to get noticed. I think because unless you go and watch them, there's no there's nothing to alert you to their presence. Almost, you know what I mean? There's nothing. They're not on the score sheet. They're probably, unless they're a fullback, they might get a few assists, but there won't be anything in the stats to say they're having a good game apart from clean sheets. But you can put that down to a team. So I think there are a lot of good young defenders in the national league, national north. So whether they can all make the step up, or whether enough of them can. Is, is the question. And a lot of that is down to consistency of performance and athleticism. Some of them aren't quite the right shape. Some of them are a bit old. Some of them aren't big enough. Some of them aren't strong enough and won't be. Some of them aren't quick enough. So if you put all that in the box, that probably leaves you with, you know, top 10%, if you know what I mean. You know, your, your, your arrow then, you're in here, this is where you are in this top, top of the arrow. So... It's very, very difficult with defenders and you have to really, really do your homework on them. The game's changed, you know. I loved, I, you know, big centre-halves, brilliant, edit, kick it, brilliant, but they don't want that anymore. They want somebody, a goalkeeper can roll it out to and play 30-yard pass or 
be comfortable on the ball, bring the ball out. You know, everybody wants them. So <laughs> it's a bit of a dilemma, yeah. Full-backs and centre-halves are the hardest. I'll just ask you a question about um, the difference between scouting from non-league and scouting at under-23s uh, level. I see a lot of under-23 matches as well as a lot of non-league matches. And, and what I would say is, whilst it's not as full-blooded and as intense as... Uh, National League match or National League North or South match for example I think there are moments within the game that are quite full-blooded but they're moments within the game and you often see managers will take a player off if he's getting a bit of a, a bit of a stick during a game yeah. um, but I generally think that sometimes I know that people say that they need to be playing men's football and not under-23 football and stuff when you look at those under-23 games I don't know whether it's you or a, a member of your team well are you looking for a bit of strength that that stands out amongst uh, amongst that? What what sort of abilities would you look from, or, or do you look at that at that level? Yeah, I'm under twenty three games a lot, so um, obviously we've got quite a good link with Wolves. Obviously with the Gaffer being captain there and all that sort of, and Dave Edwards that sort of thing. So I watch them quite a lot at Newbook's Head. Friday nights and Monday nights tend to be under twenty three nights for me. And um, yeah, go all over Tottenham, Fulham, Everton. Um, with regards to the football, it's yeah, it's difficult. Again, it's a it's a bit like watching non-league in the fact that it's not really the same, almost not like the same sport almost, because they don't ever edit, or then the goalkeeper rolls it out from every restart. Yeah, that's true. Um, there's not really any tackles, like you say, and it's very pretty football. So yeah, and they tend to get a lot of competition. So the best ones will stand out and everybody will want them on loan. So you're fighting, you know, five or six different teams, probably in your division as well, which is the other thing. So you've got to get on. You've got to get on with it and make a decision. What You need them in League One. You need to sprinkle them on the top of your, you know, your stalwart players, that bit of magic. So everybody's looking for the magic loan players. It's just one of them. You've just got to go and do your homework on them. But yes, I like the, I like the level. I like watching in the twenty threes. I really like watching like Man City playing Shakhtar the next, you know, because the skill levels are fantastic. No, they really are, you know. Yeah. Um, how relevant that is to League One, you have to take it with a pinch of salt. From the other direction, how much research do you do on the clubs that you're sending your youngsters to? I need to know who the manager is usually, and I'd like to know them generally. And um, I, I don't. It's not my final say, um, but. Gaffer will usually ask me, especially non-league, you know, what's he like, the bloke at so-and-so, you know, what, is he all right? I don't think they want him to be abused, you know, really, and I, and I get that, you know, I get that right, you know. If people put you under pressure to play if you're sort of half-injured, you know, and it's a big game and all that sort of thing, and especially if you've been doing well for him. So I want them to be the right sort of people normally. But, yeah, I suppose that's where I come into it a little bit with the loans is that, I do know a lot of people in non-league. And if you're sending a kid out who's, you know, he's a full-time professional, like maybe a first or second year at the club, if you're sending him out to a part-time National League North team, how do you manage that with the training? Um, so they train with us. They train with us not on a Tuesday and a Thursday, and they'll train with them on a Tuesday and a Thursday night. Um, so it's actually not a bad thing that that's we actually quite like that because we're still getting a bit of input into them. So yeah, we quite like that that if it's a part-time club rather than full-time because. If you pack them off to Kidderminster, you know, I mean, you're sort of losing contact with them a little bit, you know, and we still like to be developing them, especially the ones that we think might have a chance, you know. So, uh, yeah, we quite like that, that they're part-time. How often do you see your own team play, if you know what I mean? The team that you're scouting for? <coughs> um, depends, really. I like to see us play about every six weeks, but I don't, it doesn't always work out like that. I tend to watch us play away because... I get too many, what are you doing here? Why aren't you scouting? Sort of question. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I like to see us play about every six weeks because, especially if you're doing opposition work, it's all very well saying, oh, we can watch the game on Y Scout or watch the game on the DVD. It's not the same as watching us, you know. And I like when the gaffer rings me and says, what do you think of so and so at? And I'll say, well, what's wrong with him? And he says, he hasn't been doing this this week. Well, he hasn't done this for six weeks, you know. I like to be able to give him an opinion on us as well, especially if I've signed him. You know, it's just being more, you've got to be aware of everything. But yeah, about every six weeks, um, I'll watch us play live if I can. How many many National League games do you watch? I mean, obviously you've got your finger across the pulse on it. I mean, do you go to two or three games a week? I presume, are you out most nights as well? Yeah, so at Wrexham, I went, at Telford, I was sort of full-time-ish, if you like. I did a, 
I did a normal job one sort of two days a week and the rest of the time was Talford. Got to Wrexham, I was full time there. Uh, but I had three or four lads working underneath me. Um, and then Shrewsbury, obviously, full time now. I'm out. So Mondays and Fridays are usually under 23s. Tuesdays will be various, either non-league or something in our league. Wednesday's the same. Thursday off, usually. And then I'm usually at the training ground, sort of Friday, and then out to a London 23 game on, on the evening. And then I might, if it's in London, I might go down and stay at my sister's or something, you know, and watch a game Saturday. But I'm always at a game Saturday. <laughs> five days a week. Five, at least at least five games a week. And then sometimes, like, the 23s, sometimes I kick off at one o'clock and seven o'clock, so I'll be able to get two in. One of the things that um, we had uh, Simon Weaver on the other week, and he was talking about how he scouted players in the south of the country. And I was actually really surprised to hear that a National League team who were lower down the league quite recently had a full-time scout covering the south of the country. How many of the clubs at sort of step one, step two level would you say have full-time scouting departments? National League? Yeah. I say there's still an impression that non-league scouting is basically the manager's got his book of contacts and he rings people up. No. Certainly National League, I'd say probably 80-90% have got... If they're not full-time, they'd be half-time, you know, sort of scouts. At least one person doing it. Um, sometimes two or three, you know. Two or three part-timers, I would suggest, probably a better, a better throw for the National League because it gives you a, a better geographical coverage. Um... The days of just the manager doing it on say-so are gone, I think. I think a lot of it's got it's a lot more in-depth than that now. Certainly, you know, Arrogate signed a lad from Brackley Town, centre-half, two seasons ago. And I looked at him and I thought, well, he has only played them once. You know, <laughs> he must have had somebody down there looking at him to watch him three or four times to sign him for, for, for decent money, you know. And um, so, yeah. I think everybody's a bit more professional now. And a lot of the clubs are full-time, aren't they, now in the National League? So, you know, it's uh, you've, got to get the, you've got to get the decisions right. Recruitment is everything in football for me. It, it, your manager lives and dies by it. You live and die by it. So does everybody else. You know, if you get the recruitment, you can be the best manager in the world. If you've got the wrong players, like being a jockey on the wrong horse. You know, you could ride 30 crap horses and uh, never ride a winner. But if you're AP McCoy and you're on the best horse in the race three times a day, you're going to be a champion jockey, aren't you? So that's the way I look at it, really. <laughs> have, have you ever had it where, where um, a manager's blamed a defeat on you because you brought in a couple of players and then they've had stinkers and you've lost and, and they've gone, you told me they were good, you told me to sign them. A player issue? No, not for me, because my managers have been too nice, really, I think. Well, I've got a few wrong, but so has everybody else. But um, I missed... Uh, when I was at Leamington, when I first started out, I was a really good player at Littleton, a left winger. I kept going to see him and thinking, I'm not sure if he's big enough, you know, and he gets bullied. And um, anyway, Paul said to me, what do you think? Should we get him in then? He's quick. I've heard he's decent. I said, no, he's, uh, it was Joe Lolly. So I missed that one. <laughs> <laughs> he then went to Kidderminster and then to Knott's Forest for about two million quid. Um <laughs> And it's probably worth more than that now, I think. Rob, the managers make the mistakes with the recruiting. Because they'll, for some reason, they've all done this to me. They've all got one. They've all got their head fixated by this one player, usually, or one or two players that they really like. And they try and convince you that you're, they're right about it. And you're like, no, I'm not sure about it. You know, you've got to put your hand up and say, I don't, I'm not sure. I don't think so. I don't, I don't think he's what we want. So, yeah, Rob had one of them. Um, just plucked out of obscurity. Still a laughing, uh, a joke matter now. You know, we still take the mickey out of it about it now. Um, I won't name the player. Certainly Paul Olleran had one where it was the wrong green. So I thought he was trying to sign a lad called Green. And it was some, it was another lad called Green from a different team. <laughs> and, uh, he ended up signing him. And he's ended up playing rugby league. That's how good he was. Um, yeah, so they, they, yeah. You know what they're like. They, they, I'm sure you've had plenty of managers on. A lot of them... They don't become managers unless they're sort of sure of themselves, are they? And they've got, they're almost, it's not an ego, but they've, almost, they've got a lot of confidence in their own opinions, you know? So, um, how you say no is the diplomatic thing, really. But, yeah, you have to know their characters, really, I think, and just say, well, I'm not sure about him, you know? Okay. And then never, ever say, I told you so, you know? Because, you know, they'll just come back and bite you. 
<laughs> on the other hand, I'll give you a trumpet to blow now. Is there a player that you've scouted that's gone on to bigger and like really big things and you've gone, yeah, I scouted him? No, well, not really. Not sort of like who's gone up and played in the prep. That's really difficult, you know, mm. to do. Um, and I've not really operated at that level. I mean, like you say, I've been in non-league since for the, only the last two years I've been in full-time and, and doing it. It's no, and by the way, it's not much different from a scouting point of view. It's still the same, still the same hard work and football still football. You know, you're just looking at slightly different players. But um, no, I did, Paul and I had a lot of success at Leamington with plucking kids out of sort of uh, mediocre Midlands non-league teams and, and playing them and putting them in the Conference North. Danny Newton, who's ended up at Stevenage, had some bad injuries, but was Player of the Year a couple of years before. But not really, no. I haven't really, I haven't really had a stellar sign. It's one of them, you know. I, I go to grounds and there'll be, uh, it's a bit like the SAS on the balcony, you know. Everybody, everybody scouted Jamie Vardy from uh, Stocksbridge Park Steels to Halifax to Fleetwood to to Leicester, you know. I was there. Everybody was a part of that, so. Um, how many, how, many, how many were involved in the deal? I don't know. Actually, I, I counted about 30 at the moment. But, um, yeah, I, I, I haven't really got anybody I can hang my hat on. I, I, I just concentrate on doing a, as much as a good job I can on the opposition and, and making sure that my players that I've, I've recommended are right. You know, And if you get, if you get seven out of ten right, then you're doing your job right. And you, and you don't survive if you don't get it right half the time. You know, if you, if you just keep recommending rubbish, you don't, you don't last, really. What would be more rewarding for a scout to see, let's say, Shrewsbury Town get promoted with seven of the players in their starting 11, people that you've brought through and recommended, or to have that one player that gets sold for £5 million to Premier League club? Both. <laughs> get promoted and then sell one for £5 million, yeah. Um, yeah, really interesting question. Probably the first one. Probably the first one. But from the club's point of view, they'd be one in the second one. <laughs> Uh, you know, if any club would, obviously we, we've had a nice cup run this year and we've been able to uh, improve the training ground and we've been able to film the training and increase some strength and conditioning stuff that we, you know, we couldn't really afford to do before. It, it's all out, you know what I mean? And that's what we're, that's, that's the level you're at. You're a selling club. That's just the way, you're always being picked off. And if, and if you can get one, if you can get one in a, a little gem, polish him up, sell him for, you know, sell him for a couple of million, then, you've done your job. But then, on the other hand, I see the fans' point of view where they want to get the club up as well. So, it's a very difficult balancing act almost. But yes, they both give me as much pleasure if they could happen. But for me personally, I think the uh, the, the second one. <laughs> I was just going to close on the, on the one question I'd written down, which was um, a, a lot of people, general spectators, think they've got an eye for a player and think that they can, you know, they, they can spot talent. But, um, and, I, and I imagine there's probably a fair few of them that would think they, they could do your job as well. But, you know, what, what sort of, um, how do people get into it if that's what they want to do and how difficult is it? Yeah, so football manager is the bane of my life because uh, anybody who sort of half recognises me, especially supporters, will come up and say, oh, I've got this lad, he's playing in Fulham's under 23s, he's like 175, I don't even play the game, but uh, why don't we sign him, you know, it's that easy. And I'm like, well, it's not real life, you know, it's pretend that. So, um, yeah, that's that, that, a lot of that, I've, football manager's got a lot to blame, a lot to, lot to answer for in my game. But um, to start off with, I was very lucky, obviously with my father, he, um, he had plenty of contacts. You've just got to get out and go to your non-league club, I think, or... And just start doing stuff for nothing and just say, look, I'd like to get into scouting. Um, it helps if you've got a background in football, but not necessarily. Um, I know like the chief scout at Portsmouth, he was an, an, uh, an analyst at Wolves. Got to know Kenny Jackett while they were there. He, and he sort of progressed into scouting from doing the analyst work, which is another route that a lot of people take now. The lad who was at Shrewsbury before me, who was at Doncaster now, he was the same. He's an analyst, Loughborough University. Um, becomes a head of recruitment at Shrewsbury and now he's at Doncaster, you know. So I've gone I've gone obviously the long way because I'm an older bloke, you know. I've had my career, if you like, in uh, outside of football. I, I would I would suggest that if you approach your local non league club and said, Look, I can do some reports for you and what are you looking for me to tell you what sort of information, um, they would be delighted. And then it, from then on it's just about 
you know, being diligent and, um, and networking and trying to get at a better level every time you move, really. And um, I, listen, I've, I've been personally very, very lucky because I was at Leamington, happy, happily at work. If my wife's job hadn't moved, I'd never have got to meet Billy Heath and even know him. And then he had an absolutely fantastic success and I got success on the back of that, if you like. And then obviously to meet Rob as well and, and be involved at Walls and whatever. And then that led on to Wrexham and out to Shrewsbury. So a lot of it's about being in the right place at the right time. I, I know loads of lads who are just as good as me. In fact, probably better than me and more diligent than me and probably more intelligent than me. <laughs> but they, they cut, you know, they're, they're sort of doing part-time stuff for, you know, Crawley Town or somebody and they can't get a, can't get a leg up. So it is about, I think you've got to put yourself out there, but... I think a lot of it's down to luck as well. It's a great job. And even my friends now, my civilian mates, if you like, you know, they, they say, well, you don't really go to work. And uh, mm-hmm. they don't realise that you're... They know I'm out five games and I side five nights a week. But I suppose if you love your job, you never do do a day's work, do you, really? So that's... Uh, it certainly I'm beats guess- me below. <laughs> I'm guessing, though, that, that that day at Wembley when North for everyone, I suppose that's satisfying for you as a scout because people forget, obviously, people... <laughs> See the manager and the players celebrating, but obviously it's just as much about behind the scenes as well. So I'm guessing that was a great day, walking out of Wembley and winning there as well. Yeah, it's unbelievable. Absolutely unbelievable. I'd done the reports on um, Bath. We played Bath in the semi-final, two legs, and you probably remember it, penalty shootouts, and then went there as massive underdogs. West Ham gave us a training ground, and the FA put us in a hotel. We went to the England game on the Saturday, and we played on the Sunday, and there. I think Wrexham had, I mean, Wrexham hated this when I got there, they're bored and that. Uh, Wrexham must have had something like, I think, 18,000 there, and there was about 700 from North Ferriby, something like that. <laughs> but it's out of a game. The game was 3-3, you know, and the penalty shootout, fantastic. Yeah. What a day. <laughs> brilliant. Well, uh, Luke, it's been brilliant. It's uh... Good looking at the other the other side of it. We had managers and players on, and it's been been fantastic to find out how it all ticks in terms of recruiting players and things like that. So thanks very much for joining us. You're more than welcome. Thanks yeah, for having yeah. me on. Thank Thank you. Really interesting. Excellent. Well, uh, that's it. Thank you very much for joining us, Dickie, Chris and Tom. You're very welcome. Cheers. And uh, yeah, don't forget to subscribe to us on, on iTunes and Spotify. Give us a follow as well on Twitter at NL Full Time. Until then, um, stay safe. I was going to say stay indoors, but People don't seem bothered now, so there we go. <laughs> and, uh, we'll see you all. We'll see you all very soon.